And welcome to Real Indigenous, where we talk about all things on your screen and in between and native representation. And we have some very special guests with us today. Our other hosts are Tully, Alito, Manoweka, Sunrise Tipikani. And then our special guests are Why is the Kutch the Elicia? Hi, I'm Kimberly Guerrero. Hi, I'm Carissa Valencia. Welcome. We have some very exciting things to talk about. The trailer for Spirit Rangers just dropped on Friday. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I think I've watched it three times. So awesome. <laughs> it's so cute. So stinking cute. This music is cute. The energy is high. Oh my gosh. I love it. Oh, thank you. We're so proud of it. Oh my gosh. It's so great. <laughs> so Chris, tell us what you did for Spirit Rangers. So I am the creator and showrunner of Spirit Rangers. I am a huge animation nerd and also love seeing more natives on screen. So this job has like truly been a dream job to create a native kids show with native heroes and native magic. And Kim, what did you do? I am in some ways kind of uh, Chris's doppelganger on the show because I'm the mama of the spirit. Yeah. Ranger. I'm the head park ranger and Chris is our head park ranger. Yeah. And she's she's full of magic and power and strength. And um, so, yeah, I get to play the mom of the kids. And the first episode, is it the first episode or are all of the episodes going to drop on Indigenous Peoples Day? So we have 20 11-minute episodes dropping Indigenous Peoples Day. So it'll be quite a few. Yeah, really exciting. We're all over the all over the country with these episodes. We'll feature, of course, the Shumash, um, since we're in Southern California, fictional Southern California. Also some Cowlitz characters, because the family is half Shumash and half Cowlitz. But Spirit Park, where the national park is, really acts as this place and hub where spirits from all over the country and world can visit. So it's been such a beautiful process to meet and learn from so many other tribes. So we'll feature stories about lacrosse or um, basket weaving um, and even stories about like our Alaskan relatives. Like we're all over the place with these spirits who kind of just visit. And it's just, it's just been so, so cool to see both sides. Yeah. Now this has been kind of a long process is can you kind of start describing how all of this came about and all of the steps that it takes? Because, you know, we're more familiar with film and television and episodic representation. So mm -hmm. animation is completely unknown to me. <laughs> animation, you are totally right. Animation takes forever. It is a very long process. Kimberly knows she's been, she's been with us the past two, three years. Yeah. Animation takes a long time, but it's so worth it. And I think like for a show like Spirit Rangers, it is animation's the perfect medium. You can be anything, you can do anything. You can like, you, we, we, we had like the power to create our own representation, how we wanted to do it, which I just think was so freeing to like tell my casting crew to like, let's see what would, what would happen if a bunch of natives got together and told their own stories, especially these traditional stories. What does that look like? What do the colors look like? What does the design look like? So that pre-development um, process was like really, really important. Um, so I pitched 
the idea to Chris me back in 2019. She had just started over at Netflix um, and she created Doc McStuffins and Vampirina. And I um, had the idea for Spirit Rangers, but just didn't know who to share it with. I was really, you know, Hollywood has not done a good job with Native stuff in the past so with this show I was like who's not gonna mess it up like who do I pitch this to because it just meant so much to me and Chris had this overall deal at Netflix and even though she's not native but she has been othered a lot in her career so she just like understood that this was really special and needed extra care um and so I sent her I had this two-page document on my computer sent it to her she loved it and like literally the next day offered me a development deal under her company at Netflix so I worked on that pilot for about a year and then during that process we found super prod animation which are these animators all the way in France never would have thought (laughs) that our animation partners uh, would be so far away and they've just gotten the American (laughs) U.S. history class they never asked for, but they know (laughs) so much about all of our tribes and our regions. And I mean, more than like my friends here know, it's just been, they understood how important it was and dove all in and which is why they got the job and have been fantastic ever since. So after the development process, I pitched it to Netflix. I was in like the big building right off the freeway um, that a lot of people could see. And I was in like this glass office. I could see the Hollywood sun in the background. It was like my Hollywood moment for sure. And and just pitched Spirit Rangers and what it meant to me and the stories that I heard growing up as a kid and how I think it'd be great for the preschool space. And yeah, and then they bought 40 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Then we had to start making it. Yeah. So that's kind of the the development side of it. And then we started looking for our cast, which is when I met Kimberly, who absolutely smashed it in our casting um, call. So perfect, Kimberly. I lo- loved your audition. The mama bear is what got it. That's what, that's what did it. <laughs> you know, I knew I was either going to like ruin it or, or like, you know, slam dunk it at that moment. But have you, have you, have you worked in, home. have you worked in animation before, Kimberly? I have. I've really, um, not as much as I'd like to, because as Chris alluded to, there are not a lot of native folks in animation and, um, you know, having, uh, you know, entered the industry at a time when, when actors are very much pigeonholed, that's kind of all I do is in our native American roles, but the very first, um, ironically, the very first animation job that I got to do were the, the, um, the voice characters for a lot of, I mean, I think I did like maybe 18 characters, um, on uh, My Neighbor Totoro, um, which is a classic anime um, oh, piece. And so, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it was when uh, Disney decided to use Dakota and Elle Fanning as little girls and did an English version. version. And I think they were very um, kind of progressive in thinking, you know, who could be the villagers? Um, and they're like, let's get native folks to be the villagers. Oh, that's cool. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I and it, when I saw the credits, you know, I saw your name. And I think David Midthunder was when he wanted to voice. Yes. Yep. So there were a few natives. So that's how it kind of came together. That's kind yes. of cool. Yes. They, I, I mean, good on them for, for thinking that through. And they had just done Bambi and Apache. 
And so I think that that's why they were, you know, kind of on that, that track because they just had Apache folks come in and in the studio and, and redo Bambi. And they're like, oh, this, this would be great for Totoro. And so it was just such a, it was my first time and the joy of getting to play a grandmother, a bus driver, a little, a little three-year-old girl. I mean, all the different voices. Um, and so that's really, I mean, I, I grew up, um, as Kristen knows, I grew up as a huge, huge fan of cartoons and, and animation as well. And so to get to be a part of that world, um, then to get a taste of it, especially to be at Disney at that level and then like never get it again. So <laughs> when this came around, it's just like, thank you. Yeah. Now you'll get to eat, eat the full meal now. This, yeah. is, this is your meal. You finally get your it's, meal. <laughs> oh, I and I cannot wait. I just seeing Carissa there, like Carissa is... I mean, Krista directs me along with that. How, how do you say yeah. the proper, because you and. Yeah, boy, you and I guess voice directing. directing yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, we've spent, we started during quarantine. We started doing the lockdown, yeah. we started recording. And so when I see Chris like this, I get so warm in my heart. <laughs> Usually we're actually, she's actually helping. That's how we work. Yeah. That's how we work. And, um, and so it's just, it's the joy of you know, getting to really push in and, and I love how Carissa and Allison both um, in, in our entire team, there's, we, we push for such a level of excellence, you know, and it's like, we don't just get the line and move on, get the line and move on. It's like, we really hone in on, you know, what about that first take that we like about mm -hmm. the warmth, but we also want the strength to be in, you know, it's just all these mm -hmm. little nuances um, that are just, you know, it's just been an exceptional, exquisite project to work on. And, and I'm so excited to watch. Like, it's yeah. just, oh, man, I'm excited to watch them. <laughs> oh, same. I can't wait for you to see your, your character, Kimberly. She's so cute. Mom Ranger. <laughs> so just out of curiosity, did you have, did you record each individual character separately? like over yeah. this kind of thing since it was quarantine and you had to do all of the episodes like that <laughs> I know yeah so for animation it's um how the process kind of works is like we'll write the script first and then we record our cast and then we send those recordings to the artists so when they're drawing they're listening and you know, filling in the other half of like that acting that they're getting from the voice. So we do, that's kind of the, the process for that. And then because the show is in the pandemic, the pandemic was horrible for many, many reasons, but was very perfect for Spirit Rangers because it just opened the floodgates of like all this native talent. We had staff writers reporting for duty every day from Alaska or from wherever they were in the world. And then our cast didn't have to go into a studio or anything. If they didn't want to, they could record at home, which is what Kimberly was doing. Um, and we just like coordinated our whole day popping up all over the world, recording in Australia, recording in New York, recording in California, just all via Zoom. So our team was really international and all over. That's so cool. And your yeah. cast is amazing. Amazing. The dream team, the total dream team. <laughs> Is that just because of COVID? I mean, do you think that you would have had that possibility if it hadn't been for the quarantine or, I mean, where you were shooting for the stars and I mean, landed them all. Oh yeah. I mean, like it's been the energy in 
like with the crew and the cast is like unlike anything else because we have like these seasoned vets like in the entertainment industry and then also our like eager actors and like crew who are just wanting that shot and just want to prove themselves and get that first job so it's been like such a cool um like this electricity around everybody like getting like West Studi and Tantu Cardinal to like play this adorable brother and sister sun and moon spirit in the sky was like really fun to watch them have fun obviously we have Kimberly on our crew which is amazing like another huge like you're a veteran Kimberly and I'm so glad you're on this show and then also like Another person who I'm like really proud of seeing how she's grown is Ray Zaragoza. She is one of our composers on the series and writes all of the original songs or most of the original songs. And she has really stepped into her own, creating this music, directing our team. And it's just been so, I don't know if it would have happened as easily if it wasn't for the pandemic because she had us backing her from all over. So stuff like that makes me really really proud that we all kind of rallied together and worked with our vets and you know kept the fire going for first timers like myself like I'm a first time showrunner and I'm just feel so supported by Netflix and super prod and everyone that's crazy so like when you did the um the acting performance was there someone that was reading to to you guys reading along with with your performance Kim Oh, us? No, no, we, um, it, it's, uh, you know, I'll have the script. I usually get it like a day ahead of time. And then I go through, highlight my, you know, I read the whole script and I kid you not, even my husband now is like reading the scripts because I mean, from the get-go, because the scripts are so good. Parents, aunties, uncles, cousins, older folks are having to watch these with their kids are going to be, they're going to be like thanking Carissa and team because it's like, it's so entertaining for an adult to sit and watch these shows. There's like real drama, real tension, real like, you know, turns of events, you know, you're, you can't wait to see what's going to happen at the end. <laughs> And so, you know, I'm doing that first read just to see what it's about. Then I'll do a second read um, just with my lines and really try to figure out ahead of time what happened before this. Where is it? How is it tying into the end of it? Where's the music? It's very music. I mean, without I, I don't do any singing, but it, it, the whole piece is very musical. Animation in general is very musical. And so I'm trying to think like, where where do I think, you know, Carissa and Allison want me to land with this so that I have something to bring in? And then I think it's I think um I, I take like three three runs at the line. So I'll be like, okay, uh, line 13. This is when Allison will like set it up for me. This is when um, mom is is asking everybody to get in the canoe and we're going to take off, you know, and she's really excited about this. And then I'll do three takes of the line and um, she'll say, and then she and Chris will be like, oh, let's take two or let's take the first part of two, yeah. or the last part of three. <laughs> and, or, or they'll be like, hmm, maybe she needs to be a little bit more, okay, folks, let's get this going, you know? And so it's just this really fun, creative process. So there's nobody reading against me. It's just, I'm imagining the whole thing in, in my head. And I have Chris and Allison there to like, I mean, it's just like the three of us are able to just tackle it, you know, and really I mean, don't you, I don't think we've missed one line, Carissa, in all these episodes that we don't really feel like that was the one that was, (laughs) that was where we needed to get to. So I don't, it's a very unique process. It's very very different than other kind of acting. That's what I was going to say. It's a totally different skill to, to like, really like what you were saying, Kimberly, is like to really just imagine and let your voice do all the acting. It's like, we often have to like 
remind our live action folks like, hey, like we can't see your face or your the hands that you're doing. We have to hear it in your voice. So sometimes it takes people a second to like, okay, how am I going to make myself sound even more scared or more excited or whatever that is? Um, it's like a whole other muscle to flex. So I'm like really excited that after everyone hears Spirit Rangers, there's going to be a whole new wave of Native voice actors because the voiceover community is very tiny. We use the same people over and over. And this was an opportunity to bring in so many new voices, especially like our, um, like our singers. We do lots of songs. And um, our kids, the kids are so good. They're so cute. I think they were like a little shy at first, but now they're like fully in it. Like um, Isis who plays Summer, she has a Slurpee right before records and is crazy like on sugar, just like flying <laughs> through the lines. It is hilarious. And I'm like, she's gonna think this is how VO works forever. She needs her Slurpee and then she can get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to do a lot of coaching with the kids to kind of introduce them to all? Because it was, wasn't there like a open casting call for, for the children's voices? Yeah, the kids um, was like a countrywide search, really wanted um, kids indigenous to America for this one. And we found Talon, who voices Eddie. He is Mohawk turtle clan which I didn't know until we cast him and he brings every record session he had a little turtle um figurine with him in his pocket every single record because <laughs> he was so proud from for that character and then um we also had Isis who plays Summer she's a California native so I was like a little biased and very happy that she was the right person for the role and then the last um kid that we found his name is Wachiea and he plays Cody and I was looking for something really specific for this character. I wanted him to sound like a little bear cub, which was hard to do, but we found it in him. And I just thought he was like full of life, really boisterous, had amazing bear growls and all that good stuff. But he was, he lives on a reservation that is two hours from anything. I mean, literally anything. And I remember going to Netflix and being like, I really want this kid, but he lives two hours from a radio station or like mom's office or anywhere to do the recording sessions. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to record him, but he's, he's it. And like Netflix could have very easily been like, pick someone else. This is too hard. We don't know what we're going to do, but they did not. They rose to the challenge and they built him his own studio here in LA and no then way. shipped it to South Dakota. So it's right. And it was delivered right outside his house. So now he That's walks amazing. 15 feet to go to work every day. And because of that, that they rose to the challenge. Now we have another amazing kid actor who this is his dream. This is what he wants to do. And it's not squashed because he's so far away in South Dakota. So I'm just like, it is so great to be with partners who like put their money where their mouth is. They hired me to do this job, but also like trusted me with all the decisions that I was making. And it's just made such a the world of a difference. So now he's the lead on a Netflix series. It's amazing. That is so cool. Yeah, that's the thing, how we talk about like how it's hard for us to get out there and get in, get into these these places and into these shows. But nowadays, you know, with our technology, it's made it a little bit easier. And, you know, for all the negatives that COVID ha had, the positives is it has made it easier to do these kind of, 
interactions of doing these recordings all over the country to find that best person to have mm-hmm. and bless Netflix for having the courage to, you know, fund th- that recording for that kid. So Chris, uh, I, I don't know if you got to talk about yourself, but what is kind of your background and where you came from and who you are and how you got to being creator of this brilliant show? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I know, I guess we skipped over that. But <laughs> so I'm um, originally from Southern California. I grew up between San Diego and the San Inez Reservation. Um, my family is Shumash. So that's where they all are there. And I always knew I wanted to write, even when I was little. Um, was always a big animation nerd, like I mentioned. And I um, went to school for writing, creative writing. And then when I was in grad school, that's when I studied TV, radio, and film, um, which was at Syracuse. And they just didn't know what to do with me, even when I was there, because I love the kids and family space. I like really respect this audience and think it's such a talent to be able to tell a story to all different age groups. Like it is just like those writers from like our favorite Pixar, Disney movies, I just think are really, really well done when keeping interest and, you know, the audience they can reach is just really powerful. So I knew I wanted to land there and just didn't know how. And I came back to LA after grad school and my first job was a Nick turn. I worked at Nickelodeon and I was in the talent development department, um, which is where the writing program and the artist program uh, was. And my, my first job, which is hilarious because I was such an eager beaver wanting to write. And my job for three months was sending out rejection letters to all the writers who applied to the program. And I remember like recognizing some of my friends' names and like, but still, despite sending three months worth of rejection letters to people, I just knew I wanted to be a writer and like was just going to keep going and go for it. And so during that time, I was just like really eager to meet more people and connecting with different Syracuse alums. And then I eventually met Chris Nee, and she was looking for a script coordinator for her new show, Vampirina. And I interviewed with her and her team and got the job. And that job really changed my life. I was brought into the room as her assistant, but also as a a coordinator. So I was a fly on the wall for everything, all her showrunner meetings. It was really like my showrunner boot camp for the next couple of years. And that's where I wrote my first scripts and like was learning about the preschool space. That was also a space I kind of had my nose in there at the time about, I was like, that's baby stuff. Like, I don't want to work in preschool, but seeing the way that Chris told her stories was amazing like she really respects the preschool audience and is like they can they can handle anything and they deserve to like have more content um that is like really authentic and truthful like my first script on the job that I read for her was called Hannah the Brave and it was a story about a little girl who had cancer and I had just rolled off Dora which was like we were not telling those types of stories and my mind was just blown I was like wow I didn't realize we could do these types of stories in this space and so during that time like I was learning more about the preschool space and that's when Spirit Rangers was kind of percolating and yeah it was the perfect storm all came together and now here I am. (laughs) That is amazing getting from that level to being the creator and you know right now we're like living like really good times with all these native creators all these native shows that Kim being in most of them, which makes it even more blessed. And, mm-hmm. and Kim, for those who, who may not know, tell us your story of, of, you know, your background and where you're from and, and your tribe and all that. 
I grew up about 12 miles from Tully, um, a little town called yeah. Idaho, Oklahoma. Um, Tully grew up in, outside Broken Bow, right? That's right. And um, and just kind of had a dream of, of you know, I, I love television. I, I lived, Chris and I talked about this in an article that we worked on earlier and um, just how cartoons were so foundational to my life. And so it was a combination of cartoons and all of those old um those old sitcoms so from Lucy all the way to like Gilligan's Island and uh Bewitched and and that's really where I think where I learned my comedy chops and then with animate well and obviously animation as well right the the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour um all, all of that just that high high comedy and again the musicality of that um and I just I just really desperately want to be on television even though nobody looked like me um and so I, I opened a big Rand Macanelli Atlas, like the big giant ones that you would get, like if you, I don't know, bought gasoline or something. And I saw that UCLA was by Hollywood. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just go to UCLA. You know, yeah, just, just like that. So anyway, it just, I kind of forced gumped my way into UCLA, into everything. I mean, just like, well, sure, why not? And I just happened to enter our industry the year that Dances with Wolves came out um, and won all the Oscars. And so what had happened was it um, it was not unlike, I mean, it's, it's you know, in, in, in my, I'm um, an enrolled member of the Colville tribes, Wenatchee and Okanagan, and then um, also Salish Kootenai. And um, in, in our, in our culture, there's a, there's a concept called school and it's the spiral. And that everything is, it's the Fibonacci sequence, essentially. It's like the universe or the inner ear or the Nautilus shell. Um, and so it's, it's almost like, you know, that those early 90s w- was like a precursor to what we're enjoying now. So it really was, you know, a 21-year-old coming out of college. It was a wonderful time. You know, there really hadn't been natives on television for a while. And so it was a wonderful time to kind of come into it. And I was pigeonholed as a native actor. And to be honest, I loved it. I loved, because I studied, I chose to study history, Native American history at UCLA. And um, and so it was a really wonderful opportunity for me to uh, investigate a character, a storyline, a culture, the clan within that character that I was playing, you know? So I was, and then talking to the people, like say, um, for instance, if I was, I was, I played Cochise's niece in a TNT um, Geronimo um, made for TV movie. It was very, very well done. And so I was talking to Cochise's family there on the set, making sure, like I would make sure I would put my cop, my wardrobe on, but then I would go to them. I'm like, do I look okay? Does this, and I, I love to put my hair behind my ears. They're like, no, no, you never put your hair behind your ears. Like that's so, <laughs> it's really flirty. It's really like, they're like, Hey, mister, you know, and I'm like, hey. no, no, no. like, you know, so just little things like that, or finding out whether a tribe was matriarchal or patriarchal or, you know, just different things like that. And so it was a really wonderful, um, just learning opportunity for me. And also, a, um, as an actor, but also learning how to be an advocate for our people on the set um, or within a theater, you know, if I, if it was a stage production and, and I started early, I mean, I started in my early twenties and um, I would spend a lot of time when I wasn't on set out on reservations or in our urban communities or our rural communities, indigenous communities, working with our youth, native youth. And so, you know, I had this real passion and love for empowering our youth and empowering our people. And I knew story 
has done that in the past and, and could continue to do that. So it was really easy for me to go maybe speak truth to power in Hollywood, even as like a, I mean, I had people laugh in my face and like, who, what, why are you talking to me? You're the talent, you know, which is kind of a, a little, a little dig, you know, in Hollywood, like you're just the talent. Um, but, you know, I would explain to them, this is, this is, you know, the hope he didn't live in teepees um, or whatever it was, right. you know, some things I could get changed, some things I couldn't get changed. Um, but it just, you know, it, it became just a, a life passion and a, and a goal. And it's just so cool, you know, now sitting in my fifties and looking back, you know, at the journey and, and getting to work with Carissa and this, you know, this just, it's like, the it's just like the marvel pantheon of superheroes but it's like our own indigenous superheroes like rising up and getting to be a part of it because i really didn't know you know i really didn't know if i'd I'd see it my lifetime and that was okay because folks went folks went before me that didn't get to see it you know um chief dan george you know who was just such an advocate for us will sampson you know, the reason I got my very first job, which was called Son of the Morning Star, was an ABC miniseries, was because of Will Sampson set up an American Indian registry, you know, back in the 70s. And it was still around when I showed up at UCLA in 1985. And so I joined, I joined up, you know, <laughs> and that's how I found out about my first show. So, you know, it's just, it's just this beautiful school. It's this beautiful spiral, you know, and, and it's been a real gift to be a part of that. So basically, you're the Captain Marvel of this indigenous. <laughs> 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 of Indian I like, to, I like oh to my like, I like that um the 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 Robin Wright character and and Wonder Woman. You know, like that badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's it's older, Hera, but she's Hera, so freaking badass. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's still trying to the warrior. All right, yeah. <laughs> I love that either. You could be both. <laughs> Uh, Chris, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about writing. I know that writing for um, just writing in general can be very challenging, but you're balancing a couple of things. I mean, you're talking about this audience that you can reach. Um, it's I think it's easy to dumb down material for like a young audience if it's just animation. Um, but it, uh, can you talk about the writing process? Um, yeah, good question. I I am a writer first and foremost. I feel like that's my bread and butter and something I miss a lot now that I'm show running. Um, but for preschoolers, this has been like such an eye-opening experience and has made me such a stronger writer because the pacing and the humor is so different for this audience. They're extremely um, literal <laughs> and have really, really high emotions. So like, if you're gonna throw in a fart joke for some reason, that's not always gonna get the laugh, surprisingly. It's not like a like a 10-year-old or something like the their preschoolers are so much more earnest. So it's something that like has I've had to change like the jokes that I'm trying to tell, or like I can't undercut a sweet moment because they really are like satisfied by that. And especially for um the characters that we're creating, I look at them like in two different ways. Is like, are these characters um, people that they want to be friends with or are they people they want to be one day? Because then there's like this, there's, I feel like there's a couple different ways that I like to like write for Spirit Rangers, which is like both. I see kids wanting to be their friend, but also aspirational and want to be like them. 
Um, and I think the aspirational piece gets tricky because that's where we get a little preachy and the character doesn't come off as that authentic and kids can sniff that out from a mile away, no matter how many like, I don't know, like psychologists or child professors tell you otherwise, like they really want authentic stuff. So I always like to have a sense of humor in our scripts and lots of jokes and in Spirit Rangers, we do bring in lots of trickster spirits, which is perfect for preschoolers because they're just playing jokes and learning the hard lesson. They're the ones that like get stuck in a tree or fall down a hill or whatever. And then everyone will just laugh at the physical humor. So like we definitely have that um, for the preschoolers too. And another thing that I've kind of picked up from Disney is that preschoolers love music. <laughs> they absolutely love it. We could look at Frozen and Kanto, all the things. So we definitely have an original song in each of our episodes. I am not a lyricist. I'm not great at that. So Ray, and then we also had a couple other composers, Diamond and Kuman, who are Broadway guys, bring their talents to the show and put that music in there. Because that's also another storytelling piece like I don't write the lyrics for that but I'll write a paragraph saying this is what I want the song to be about here's the characters in it and here's what should happen by the end so it's like I'm still kind of, I'm writing like a loose treatment outline for what I want to happen there so the writing process has been really fun and even though our episodes are only 11 minutes I still when I do my story breaks with the writing stuff we still break it down into three acts like if there's still an end of act one end of act two end of act three even though it's real quick, 11 minutes, um, but we still structure it kind of the same. That's amazing. It, it definitely sounds like you are very observant of how like mature this audience is, despite the fact that they're young. It seems like they're like, so the earnest nature that you're describing, yeah. you know, like that's like so in tune with uh, just like some truth, you know, uh, and the fact that they're able to distinguish when things seem to be like, um, perhaps uh, uh, it could be more real, I guess, you know, like that, that's like overly yeah. structured or something. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, this I makes me wonder it. if there's like a testing process, like do you guys, um, how does that happen in terms of like writing and performing and then an audience comes in? Is there like time mm. and, and, and effort and budget for revision? So for us at Netflix, we did not test. We did not test with any of the kids. Um, when I was back at Disney, that was something that was really popular. Even on Dora, we would test. Um, and on Vampirina, they especially tested. Disney was so nervous that vampires were going to give everybody nightmares. Um, but <laughs> Netflix really trusted us with this press. I know, you wouldn't yeah. believe. And then, of course, we show the kids these preschoolers are watching Stranger Things and stuff, so they don't care. But, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, for Spirit Rangers, we didn't do any formal testing or anything like that. Um, just leaned on our own experiences of what it was like to be a Native kid. And mm -hmm. I'm really, really grateful for the room that I had um, when writing because they felt safe and vulnerable to talk about what it was like for them. You know, some mm -hmm. advice my staff is really white passing. So that was their experience. Mm -hmm. Some writers were adopted. Um, like myself, I consider myself more an urban native. I like grew up on and off the res. So like we brought all of these experiences together of like, what is the show we always wish we had as a kid? Who are the kids we wish we saw on screen? And they are just as like aspirational superheroes, but they also mess up and like have tantrums and like, they're not always perfect. And I think it's important to show 
natives being all types of things. We're not just one model thing. We can, we can be so many, so many different things. That's awesome. That seems really important for this age range. You know, it's like, I wish we had stuff like this when we were younger. I feel like, you know, like that's, uh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we we had Joey on earlier to talk about prey and he talked a little bit about the writer's room and how much he appreciated not having to explain things. Yeah. Because there was that shared experience that even though we all come from different nations and different experiences and locations, we still have that common commonality. And yeah. that he really appreciated the fact that you, you could tell a joke and everybody would get it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, it was, yeah, I've never had so many Native coworkers before. Like, it was just the coolest thing, like, that we could all get each other's sense of humor. And, like, we know things about, I don't know, that we don't have to explain it to everybody or, like, stop and pause and say, you know, this is what fry bread is. And, mm-hmm. like, we don't have to do any of that. It was really nice. And even just, like, just recently we did a script, um, that is about the phrase crabs in a bucket and Kimberly when you came in you called it right away you knew exactly what it was and Allison didn't know like none of our team knew what that meant but it was like there's just some we like to put little things like that in the show Mm -hmm. that are like just for natives and like they I know they're gonna get it um but at the same time this show is for non-natives too and I'm Mm -hmm. hoping we're welcoming them into our world and they're gonna be a little bit more educated and look up to us as heroes and it's nice that we get to do do both chris has it so cool to think that this time next year little kids all over will be dressed up as spirit rangers for halloween <laughs> ah, i can't wait for that i hope that that happens yeah. yep i want to see okay, all the party else exactly yes uh, i know right all the costumes would be so cute, especially for October, which we all know is a sensitive <laughs> time for. Exactly. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering about about appropriation <laughs> versus appreciation in this situation. Mm-hmm. Did, mm-hmm. did you talk about that in the writers' room or with yeah. Netflix? Yeah, Netflix was very nice and deferred to us on a lot of that stuff. And um, I was somebody when I when Spirit Rangers was ready to go. I knew I wanted to bring in professionals, which is our elders and um, our like lead consultant, which is Dr. Jolie Proudfit. She's fantastic, another fellow California native. Um, so she knew a lot of like my stories and our land and stuff, but was also really, really crucial in navigating that type of like appropriation versus appreciation and what's gonna happen if like so-and-so says something dumb online or whatever it is. Um, And with spirit rangers, because these are kids who can transform into animals, it's a trope that has been abused and misused by other storytellers. And for the first time, like we get to do it ourselves. And like, just because they messed up doesn't mean I can't celebrate my tribe stories. Cause like, we do have so many stories of like our bear doctors who can transform. And there's this one story of like, these natives in the California missions would like run away and sneak away just to watch a like a bear doctor transform like we have so many stories like that which I just think are so magical and they don't deserve to be snuffed out and put away just because non-natives did a horrible job portraying what that looked like so I think 
this is like the show that I'm hoping mm-hmm. people will look to and it'll be like a new era of what those stories kind of are. Mm-hmm. Reclamation. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, these are stories that are <laughs> now stereotyped, but there's a reason why they're stereotyped because they're mm-hmm. actual things that happen, actual things we've experienced. Um, Kim, kind of uh, talk to us about like your experience with this and like what were some highlights and things that you enjoyed in, in doing this show and, and like what you felt like you brought to the table. Oh and gosh. Carissa brought to the table too. It was really fun getting to be kind of on the, the the ground floor in episode one. And and the mom and dad are usually, and Carissa, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're usually kind of like a bookendy, you know, yes. <laughs> we're like kind of there to frame the whole episode. And then we yeah. kind of step back and let the, the kids take over, which is one of the reasons I love this show so much. And I think everybody in this, this Zoom meeting that, and in, in maybe the people watching as well, but we were the kind of kids that we were a lot smarter than people gave us credit for a lot earlier on. Like, I don't know if you had that teacher or maybe a parent or an auntie or an uncle or something that gave you a little bit more responsibility or entrusted you with something that was a bit, you know, mature or whatever at four or five or six years old or whatever. And, and, and that's what I love about the show is that, you know, they are junior park rangers, they get real jobs. And so I think it's just kind of the, the joy of, um, like every week, like I said, my joy is, is what I, I think we work probably what every three or four weeks or something like that, Carissa. Yeah, exactly. And, and I can't, like, I literally can't wait to read the new, you know, you know, the new work and see, see where things are going. And it never ceases to amaze me what ends up happening, who they meet, who we get to revisit, you know, some of the characters that we love that you'll get to see that, that we revisit. And, um, and just seeing like the, the, exquisite nature of the way that so many of our cultures and stories are woven together so seamlessly and that's what spirit park allows for and so I think you know for me I think if I bring something special to it it's probably just my inner child that just has been like wanting to play for so long and and get to do these goofy voices and Chris also knows that one of my joys is that they let me from time to time they'll let me play other characters oh yeah (laughs) Once we learned that about you, we're like, great. Right. So it's just like, you know, whatever. I got to play a wrestler, which was really fun. Um, you know, so just, it, it, you know, it's just really, it's just uh, just been a joy and highlight of my whole life. And uh, I'm just, I literally like fangirling so hard right now. I cannot wait to see these, um, these episodes. Well, Kim, uh, as a like multi-talented person who's done voice work, you've done Broadway, you've done television, you've done film, and your husband's a musician. Mm-hmm. And so do you also do singing? Were you able to sing on the show? Oh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you were. <laughs> I had to come to the studio for that one. Um, I don't have the best singing voice, but as I learned, um, you know, I, uh, I, I can sing. I'm a bit she more confident now after after <laughs> this experience, and it it was it was one of those things because um, I think is it I don't know what it's like our overall overarching song is that right Carissa that I sang on or do we know Yes, it's a like um the park is opening song, so it's like an okay. intro to the series song. Yeah, so I I I did sing on and and what I found was that if I sang. If I sang, it didn't work. If I sang as mom, I was fine. 
because she's such a bad AWS, right? I mean, she's just like, so it's just like nothing scares her. So I just like kind of put her on and, and went for it. And then I was fine. So yeah, but I don't have the, the best voice. You guys will get to hear it. She sings great. Yeah, we look forward <laughs> I to can't it. wait. Get to hear Kimberly sing. I actually have a question for you, Kimberly. Would you, we worked on this article together that she mentioned and it was so well written. Have oh, you ever you. written scripts or do you have any interest in that? Being more yeah. behind the, behind the camera? Yeah. I'm, I'm also a screenwriter. And so, um, yeah, I just, it was really interesting because I went back to, I did my, I wrote my first screenplay back in 99 and got into Sundance with that, that one. And, um, uh, but then in the middle, like right around 2010, it just like the, our work really died off and it was, um, I mean, there's just no work for native folks out there. And it was, it was really burdening me because our, our 20 somethings that were coming up, like there was no open door, like there was for me when I was. And so I was like, I got to do something about this. And, and I am a, I am a, a decent writer. And so, and I live more in the comedy realm and I love romantic comedies and, um, YA kind of live in that, that kind of space, magical so realism, good. you know? And so I decided to go back to get my MFA at UC Riverside um, in screenwriting. So I could spend like two, three years just pumping out material and then going to try to sell it. Um, and, and, and I did end up selling a script to, to Amazon. And, and so, you know, it's just, but it, what was so cool was that um, I remember our very first pitch for that show was to HBO and Standing Rock had just happened. And I, I had pitched before, we'd pitched before, been part of pitches as a writer um, and, uh, or a potential you know, person on the writing team. And we'd had so many people tell us, nobody wants to see Indians, nobody cares. Um, so, you know, one person, I wasn't in the room when this happened, I won't name the name, it was a very, very prestigious company, but they said, nobody gives an, the F word about Indians, like in the room. Oh my and God, your audacity. So I know. And, and then, so when I went into HBO and HBO was, our, our executive was amazing at HBO and I, and I re really very simpatico. But at that point, then I had, I had an arsenal of information. I'm like, you can't say that anymore because of Standing Rock. Like Standing Rock just happened. Millions of people were live streaming it from all over the globe, you know? Um, and, and I also talked at that point, this is maybe back in 2017 now, I'm like, you know, this generation, they're, they're, they're much like the preschoolers, they want authentic, like they can smell, you know, the, uh, excuse my language, but like their bullshitometers, like off the chart, like they can, and it's like a, this, they it won't pass the smell test. Like people want to see native stories by native people. And so I think at the same time, like Carissa's in there, right? So Chris is getting her internship. Like everybody's just, everything's bubbling. Sterling has been in Tulsa, just like working, 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 creating the 1490 was and been creating their material. You know, Tazba Chavez, who's my former student, like out on the, um, uh, we did a film and music camp out on the Bishop Paiute Reservation and um, she was one of our star pupils. Now she's hiring me for shows. So, you know, it's like everybody was doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. And then it was like Standing Rock happened. You know, it was like, oh, this is viable. These stories are viable. And these are the folks that need to, to tell them. And like tomorrow I have a meeting. It's a general meeting with a, a production company that are, that's um, bringing me in on a, a potential writing project. And it's going to be really interesting because now, it would take a lot for me to come on board of a project that didn't have a native showrunner. 
Like, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, everything's super hush hush in our industry. Like you have yeah. to find NDAs and all that kind of stuff, but I'll go in. I've turned down so much. I'm sure you have too. Chris, yeah. It's just like, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but unless you're going to put like native people significantly in above the line positions, showrunners, executive producers, producers, you know, it's just, that's just not where we are. It's 2022. It's just not where we are anymore. It's not where we are anymore, you know? And I, I really, that's what makes me excited about this time, this place is, you know, we interviewed Sierra and she was like, I'm not only kicking the door open, I'm holding it open for the next generation of storytellers. And she's, she's been such a, such a great mentor out in LA. You know, we've had, we've always appreciated Sterling and all the work he's done here. And I'm sure I mean, everywhere I go, everybody's like, oh, were you a background? Were you in background? Were you in background for Red Sox? Were you in background for Red Sox? So- <laughs> Just say yes. Yeah, I was like, I know. <laughs> yes, of course, we all were. <laughs> yeah, we're all, we all were. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, Angela was actually in a greasy fry bread video. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> work, God. You know. <laughs> greasy fry bread, greasy, greasy, greasy fry bread. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I love yes. It. Uh, Sunrise and I were both on the pilot, so awesome. So that was fun. That's where I recognize you from. <laughs> it's like we got it familiar to me. No, I was Jesus so stand-in. I was Jesus stand-in. Stand. I, I love it. Sunrise was G and E, so isn't that right? Yeah, Sunrise. That's so. Yeah. Cool. It's a, it's such that. a great show because it's it, this show is much I feel like that's going to be the same with with Spirit Ranger when it's come out because I'll hear the I'm pretty good at picking up on <laughs> voices or who but it's just like yeah. that's what I got reservation dogs is because uh this last season when when I, we were back in Oklahoma shooting it was we you know I was part of the um when, when Mabel you know makes her journey oh, right and um and so that that we, there were, everybody was in that <laughs> you know it was just like the whole family was there and it was like so surreal because my like my best friend from powwow days like when i was in my 20s out in the powwow road like bonnie tomasa was there um with her her son was like one of the little ones <laughs> running around so it was like people from real life and then my mom came from Tahlequah Aww. to visit and my mom shows up on the my mom took me over from Tahlequah and dropped me off on the set at the set early and then before we'd even pulled in she said she saw somebody like <laughs> They're like, hey, and then, so I'm like, okay, y'all chat. I'll go yep. here and make up. And it was just like everybody. So it's just so much fun. John Proudstar and I were like good friends, like back, you know, in the night. I mean, it's just like wild just watching all these worlds come together, you know, and, and finally get to sunrise and I work together, you know, and it's just like, it's really fun getting to see our community come together and finally get to tell stories together and the stories we want to tell and the way that we want to tell them. Yeah. So, agree. Yeah. Hopefully we prove to them that people give a F word about. Yes. <laughs> about and if not, we'll just throw a big protest and make sure they remember. And one of the things that we talked about with uh, Jan and Sierra is that now we have all of these actors that are able to play different roles and yeah. not be pigeonholed like Kimberly who is this auntie who's beating all night in <laughs> one and then Miss Indian World in the other and now mom mm, yeah. I mean mm-hmm. 
how great is that? And of course, Michael Gray Eyes, who is just like tearing mm-hmm. down, burning it all down with his performances and everything. And so it's so nice to see all of these people that have worked so hard to actually use their talent and be appreciated and seen. Yeah. Yeah. And recognized as like an artist. I feel like that's also part yes. of all this, right? We're like also going to inspire a new generation of artists that it's like, you can completely be valid utilize your skills and then be recognized yeah. for actually who you are like that's amazing and this, and i yeah go ahead no no you go ahead well I'm, I'm just curious to see how like you know the merging of traditional artistry and these like new arts how they're going to combine i feel like mm-hmm. um that's definitely something i'm seeing in the the artwork of the show mm-hmm. um i'm curious mm-hmm. if you could talk about that just like segueing back into this uh the the artistry that's happening um uh like it seems like there's such distinctive designs and like maybe the color choices um and the animals themselves um can you talk about like the, the specific origins of these things and working through some of those things yeah, this is, a, this is a really good piece to bring up. It's something we talked a lot about in the writer's room, because I think some of us um, are even just afraid to tackle tradition stuff because we don't want to mess it up or like mm-hmm. sometimes we don't feel native enough to tell that story or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was it was definitely a process to kind of work through and find how we wanted to tell the story. Um, so in Spirit Rangers, like I mentioned, like Spirit Park acts as this hub where we can meet spirits from all over the world. And while we gave them this like huggable, lovable cartoon look, all of the patterns that you see on each of the spirits, they're all based on the traditional art styles of that region. So any Shumash spirit you see, they'll have rock art from our cave paintings um in Santa Barbara it'll just be like lifted and put on their on their coats and scales and fur and stuff like that um and then if we meet like a character from Alaska like they'll have a print on them that's like similar to the art style from that region (laughs) and um that was like our way of like kind of transitioning into like here's this character in a modern space but they carry their culture with them Mm -hmm. and I think in a couple of our episodes, we kind of like to talk about how there's not, there's no one way to be native. Mm-hmm. You can like monster trucks and also learn how to make a clapper stick. We can do both. And I think the whole like premise of Spirit Rangers, we see two worlds. We see like the human world where they're with their family using modern technology and science to take care of the park. And then in Spirit Park, it's where all the tradition is like kind of like alive and well, and they still are a part of that world too. So they really are able to navigate both and they can exist together. And we don't have to stay stuck in one way or in the past, like culture is meant to change and evolve. So it was exciting to explore that, but also we were hesitant. We're like, this has never been done before. Let's see what happens. (laughs) You know, and we we were always looking for content to talk about. And we were over the summer, we were looking at things for our youth and, you know, Molly, we came up with Molly, we came up with Anna's tent and that was about it. I mean, to have this, to be able to talk about and celebrate is just so exciting. 
Thank you. Yeah, especially for kids. I just like, gosh, it's like really healing that inner child. And like, I just remember telling kids, like my friends or teachers that I was Shumash and they just straight up didn't believe me. They were like, I've never heard of that. It's not Cherokee or something that they had heard in movies or Pocahontas. And it just was really hard for me to even tell people that I was native after that because I hated getting the dumb questions. And mm-hmm. I'm just like so excited for this next generation to see themselves feel acknowledged that they exist, you are here, and then give them a sense of pride that we're also can celebrate our stories, but be superheroes and have magic. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, now that you know that Kim also writes, we could uh, maybe have a YA native story. I know. I at a rom-com, we Let's need all the representation. <laughs> we need rom-coms. Oh right. my gosh, Jan and Sierra were like, we have got to have yes. a rom-com, so. and all of all of Noetta and Candace and I are like, please give us the rom-com. All right, I'll get to work on that. Yes, Thank you. Uh, yes, <laughs> a couple brewing. So. Uh, we need that. We need that. Oh, and I had to mention too, Tully, that's how we met. We met, uh, Tully brought me in on one of his films that was shooting back in Oklahoma. So that's how, so we're all, all connected and it just feels so good to be together and yeah. celebrating this. And Carissa, I mean, I have to say too, for Carissa and in the team and, you know, to what you said and what Sierra and Jana were talking about, and it, it was, it hit so hard in that last episode of Rutherford Falls season one, where it's, mm-hmm. it's basically, you it's you can live under the fear of not being Indian enough or not being the right person mm-hmm. to tell a story. I just want to say thank you, Carissa. Thank you for your to your whole team for pressing through that together, you mm-hmm. know, with love and compassion and grace and excellence and and pressing through. It's a very courageous thing. And and I think that those, I know that those um good seeds that are planted in every episode are going to just bear such good fruit, you know, for everyone that watches and then it will just I mean I do think it's I think healing is a, is a powerful word and it's healing through story and entertainment mm-hmm. like what what better way thank you yeah. thank Lovely. you Kimberly I'm so excited you're part of this process too it's been it is pretty it's just so amazing to get all of the Native Avengers together and tackle this and sometimes there's those hard days where you're like uh like I don't know like Coco Melon or some other show is like not <laughs> about dinosaurs. They're not, they're not sitting there thinking about the traumas and representing their community. Uh-huh. They just get to write about silly dinosaurs or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. like love and care that you feel in this show is like you'll you'll feel it as soon as you watch it. So thank you for that. <laughs> so when does the merch hit? In time for Good Christmas? Question. <laughs> we do have some books coming out this year, which is exciting. And then hopefully, like, fingers crossed, Netflix will see that this is a hit and we'll get lots of toys and costumes and things. <laughs> oh, that would be so awesome if that happens. Yeah. When that happens, I should say. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. spin offs. Spin offs. That's what I keep telling them. I'm like, who are the Spirit Rangers of Australia? Who are the Spirit Rangers of Africa? Ooh, like, yeah. you know, there's you know, park protectors all over the world protecting their indigenous stories. Yes, I love it. So cool. And then they all get together like Avengers. (laughs) 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 It's a massive crossover. Yeah. Uh Uh 
Spirit Rangers end game. <laughs> Just don't kill off mom, whatever you do. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so do you have any one favorite episode that we can look forward to that you can maybe talk about? That is a good question. <laughs> I don't, oh gosh. I don't know if I could pick one. There's so many good ones. Mm -hmm. It's just been, oh gosh, yeah, I don't know if I could pick one, which is not a fair answer. I should be giving you an answer. Yeah, it's just been so, I like, I've learned so much. There's been so many stories that I didn't even know Mm -hmm. about, like the story of lacrosse. Like that's like steeped in this animal folklore, traditional story, which was so cool to bring to life. I just, I didn't know the original story for it. And then the second episode that I wrote is about how the condor got its black feathers. And that one was like particularly a favorite because that's a story my dad told me as a kid. And like, we all knew that one and to bring it to life in an animated world is like very, very cool that like this story is going to live as long as we have Netflix. And that like feels really good to see. To see. Yeah. What about you, Kim? Any favorite you're looking I forward can't, to? I can't. It would be such a huge spoiler that I can't even yeah. say it. Ooh. 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 Exciting. And Kristen is a I think I know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> such a good mom episode. Yeah, Kim, you've seen them as a full product now, right? No, not yet. So not you'd yet. be you'd be brand new to it because all you saw was your part, right? I just I just saw the trailer. I just, I read the script and saw the trailer and got to see some art. Krista and it was very, very generous, you know, as they were fine, as they were getting things and we had maybe some time in between, you know, yeah. sessions or something like they'd be like, oh, check this out. Or I remember one time, one of the, one of the kiddos was coming on as I was coming out and we both got to watch <laughs> something. Remember they're like, wait, wait, stay on here. Yeah. Cause we were all in the Zoom room at the same time. So I got to see some artwork here and there. But um, I'm just, I'm just over the moon, ready for 1010, ready for 1010. Yes. Uh, so excited. It, and is it, is it like a, like a traditional live action show or it's like you, you kind of have one week allocated to an episode or is it, I mean, you're talking about animation takes a long time. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. like how, I guess an episode, how long an episode's gestation to like, um, like the final output, how long does that take? So let's see, when Netflix ordered 40 episodes, it took us about, oh gosh, yeah, we're still going on season one because we're dropping 20 episodes on 10, 10, we'll drop another 20 in sometime next year. And we're still like, I'm in post on season one still. So it's like, it takes a long time, long, long time. I feel like just a script alone takes like six to eight weeks to write. And then from there we record it, uh, which takes a little bit. And then the animators start getting to work, designing the different pieces, and then putting a storyboard together, which is just the black and white like drawing version. And then from there, it gets plugged into CG animation. And that's the one like CG takes a long time. So that's like, that's a tough one. Um, and, and you've had experience with animation in general. Is, is there anything yeah. about this process that was different in like the... Uh, 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 giving feedback or like uh, looking at the uh, the materials that came in in these forms of like the digital or I think the um, yeah I feel very lucky I've gotten to work at um, a few different animation studios and Netflix 
I always forget, but they're a new animation studio. They've only been around for four years. I've been there for three of them. So I've been there for most of it. And I think they've, um, in that beginning era, they gave us so much freedom. Like I was used to having to like, like at Disney, they have a brand. We have to stay within that brand. Nickelodeon also has a brand. We have to like be within that realm. And at Netflix, they're like, we're creator driven, do what you need to do. So I think the biggest shock was we didn't get any notes for like a year. And it was so crazy. I think we got, it was, it'll never happen again. It was the perfect (laughs) storm. I mean, one time we got a note from our executive and it was just cute. (laughs) Like, great. Well, keep going. The best note ever. I just can't, I was like, this will never happen again. But I think at that time, Netflix just bought a lot of content. So they were really stretched thin and also really holding on the motto of like, this is a creative driven space, whatever you Mm -hmm. need, just let us know. Like they weren't just like ghosts in the background. They, like if I had um, an idea, like I really want to hire Wachiga as Cody. They were like, great, what do you need? Built a trailer, sent it over there. Or like if I wanted to hire somebody else, they were like stepping up to, to help us. So we're going to tell Kim bye real quick. Oh, oh there she goes. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> what a great environment. And it's like allowing for this amazing like experience and this like such an, an important outcome for these this future generation. And it's not only them, like I mentioned the artists, but it feels like you're also sort of paving, paving a pathway. You're sort of like becoming this like, you know, guide and uh, perhaps even like this sort of like young media elder about how to approach this medium and continuing these traditions of storytelling and uh, you know like incorporation of traditions and the modern and just it's like really uh, amazing <laughs> oh thank you oh yeah I'm like very spoiled by Netflix whatever I do next I'm used to having full control, full trust. They set the bar high. And especially for my team, like kind of what Kimberly was saying, her standards are like up here now because we know it's possible. So there's no stopping me now. <laughs> that's, that's what hey, I'm I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> well, for our listeners that may be on a reservation or in a small community, how difficult was it for you to leave your community, go to school, mm come back what were some of the ways that you had support and how you dealt with being away from your people yeah I am I feel very lucky that Hollywood so happens to be in California which is two hours from my reservation so I was not very far from home and I know a lot of um, natives do not have that experience Um, but it was really nice that I could always just like if I was missing something, I could go home and go to our powwow. And then I felt instantly energized. I could go back to LA and do, you know, do all the craziness. But having that um, was just really lucky. And then I think like finding a community out here as soon as you can is like the best advice ever. Like I found it within my animation nerds. It was really nice to be connected with all these people. And then now with Spirit Rangers, I am so lucky to be so connected to the greater native Hollywood now because what a beautiful, powerful, hardworking community. They will not turn you away. Even though I'm in animation, 
like Sierra and Sterling are still boosting me up. I'm still boosting them up. We'll talk about each other's actors and writers. Like if I'm looking for an assistant, I like called Sterling. I was like, hey, who do you think about so-and-so? Like we're all here to help each other and there's room for all of us. So I think mm-hmm. it's like just such a welcoming community. And Janet talked about, you know, being in New York and being able to plug into that community of natives that are up there. Because mm. now were you in, when you were at Syracuse, were you up there? Yeah, so when I was in Syracuse, I was just in like insular film school. I was the only native in the whole uh, program. So that I feel like it's like sad to say, and like all of us can probably speak to this, but like we're probably all used to being the only native in the room or the only native somewhere. And we just get really used to that. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a horrible muscle I had to build from a young age. And then like when you do meet those natives, even if they're like still exploring their identity or like straight from the res, it is such a breath of fresh air. And I know at Syracuse, I um, didn't, I didn't get to connect too much with the community there. And then when I was in San Diego for undergrad, I was really close with the Hawaiians because that was the closest I could find, <laughs> but they get it, you know, they're relatives too. And they're, we had similar stories and our culture is similar. Um, and just finding the adjacent was really helpful just to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so excited for there to be more natives in animation. Cause when I was coming up, there was, I think I met one other native artist and I knew he was native because he was that, he's that guy, long braid, turquoise, <laughs> jean on jean. He's that, he's, he's amazing, talented artist. Um, and he and I knew of each other and we would talk about wishing that there was more native content. And when Spirit Rangers went, he was the first person I called and he did our visual development for the show. So he like helped design the kids tree house and the characters and I'm so glad he was part of that process. And now there's like this whole wave of new um, new natives that are going to be in animation and we desperately need it and they're not going to stop working now. I'm like, I'm really excited for all of them. So what are some of the roles that that are available in animation? If, you know, if anybody's interested in getting into that field? Yeah, so I feel like there's a lot. So writing is a big one. There's two different styles of writing and animation. There's script writing, which is like your classic live action script. And then there's also shows that are board driven, which means they're the storyboard artist is in the driver's seat. So writing for that type of show, it's like a SpongeBob SquarePants, like that's a board driven show. And the writer will basically write like an outline and then send it to the storyboard artist and then they take it from there and like really bring in some of the dialogue and life and you'll work on it together so that's a really cool job as well connecting more with um the animators themselves we also have production too like PAs production coordinators you're just all instead of like (laughs) um you know moving water bottles or driving a golf cart you're helping organize all the art files and helping the color team the design team of course, there's a ton of art jobs as a, um, I think a color stylist is one of the coolest jobs. Your job all day is basically like filling in a coloring book and doing the great color palettes. Super fun job. <laughs> there's also designers who are like doing the whole look of the show. That's an art director. Um, post-production also has jobs. I feel like voice acting is another big one, voice directing. Yeah, there's just so much to be done. And and I do think the skills are transferable from live action to animation. So I'm really hoping people get more 
um, excited about animation and want to try it and are not afraid. Um, yeah, getting those internships will also help, of course, getting a whole sampler of everything, finding out what they like. What kind of programs are out there for internships in animation? Do you know? Um, one that I really love is Women in Animation. That one is an organization that is fantastic. They do so many mentorships, not necessarily internships, which I think is better in a way because you're paired with somebody who's in a hiring position. They'll train you for a couple months, read your script, review your board, whatever you need, and then keeping that relationship going with them because they are actually in the industry and can hire you later. It's how I got one of my staff jobs was I was a mentee and my mentor got a show greenlit and he had been reading my scripts and he was like, hey, do you want to come with me in the, on this show? So I think that's an organization that I really love because they it's just like direct to getting a job versus getting stuck in that internship circle, which so many of us can get trapped in. Um, so that's one that I really love. And, and you don't have to be, it's like women focused and their goal is for animation as a whole to be 50-50 men, women. And um, I, you, so you don't have to be a woman to join. There's also men who are part of the program, but they support that mission that it's gonna be an equal industry. I'm also curious about like if somebody was interested in animation today, what you feel are like some pivotal things they should be practicing, uh, things they should be watching. Uh, any suggestions? Ooh, uh, I would say, oh gosh, An animation is really having a moment right now, which is so exciting. Like there are so many studios who never had an animation department before and now have them because they're realizing they're such a cash cow. <laughs> animation is, it's so, it's so popular. And like Disney has uh, been the monopoly for a long time. And now these other studios are coming in and making their own work. So I think I would encourage anybody interested in animation to look outside of Disney as well for the types of storytelling. Because when people think of animation, that's the first thing they think of. They think, oh, animation's just kid stuff, just Disney princesses. I'm not really interested in that, so I don't want to work there. But really, there's all types of storytelling. Like Leica Studios, which does stop motion animation, is very, very cool. And that's like a whole different type of production. And that's like in-person production because they're moving the claymation and stuff. It's very, very cool. So I would say like encouraging to watch stuff outside of Disney and Pixar, which of course are great, but there's other types of animation and other countries have adult animation that is like really respected. I feel like that's something we're falling a little bit behind on. The adult animation in the States is really just like mm -hmm. comedy slash <laughs> just mm -hmm. like, I don't know, gore. It's like Beavis and Butthead. Like, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. like, there's yeah. so many other stories we could tell, but like we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, like, you know, growing up, you know, growing up in, in watching like student film animation and how innovative and amazing that they do their artwork. But then as they move up in their career, they start going into the Disney style or these uh, more yeah. straightforward. And I'd like to see would be like very native influence artistic animation mm. almost you know i mean for a not a great example but the, that the spider-man into the spider-verse how yeah. innovative that artwork was i would like to see something done with that indigenous styles and these kind of things where they would 
do that kind of thing and, and so yes that's you know, absolutely I don't really have a question but going back on that whole style of art and how we like yes. how we do keep ourselves from really going out there and really doing doing those next steps of being artistic in, in our endeavors and this kind of sounds like that's what you're doing with this show it's like you know you you're doing a kid's style of animation, but you're also layering it with these traditionals and these different kind of subtexts and things like that. Yeah, and like, that's what's been so cool is like, I've met so many indigenous artists that I didn't even know existed. And here they were just waiting for a job. It drives mm. me crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so <laughs> talented. And like what you were saying with those indigenous art styles, like there are artists out there who are ready and capable to do that. And I just really, mm -hmm. oh, they just needed their foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping like, mm -hmm. finally I'm in a position of power so I can hire these people and then hopefully they'll just keep going and we'll snowball and keep hiring each other, <laughs> mm -hmm. showing off all our amazing mm -hmm. work and exploring this new era of what a native animation looks like. Yeah, that would be amazing. It feels like, I don't know if you've seen cryptozoology, but it's making me think about that. No, um, I haven't seen that actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've got to see it. So that came out, I, I think, last year or the year before. And it's like, it's all just like basically, it either is or mimics hand drawn style. Oh, of, that's so cool. Like, yeah, it's, it's so, and it's such, uh, it's so beautiful. But it's like, you know, it's obviously one person's sort of like vision of design, even though there's like a multitude of animators. Um, and that seems like, I like, that'd be amazing. I'd love to see like a, um, just because I'm Comanche, I'd like to see like a Rance Hood animated mm. uh, movie. I feel like that would be really amazing. How cool. Yeah. Oh, I would buy that. That's so yeah, awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the pitch, just that. That's <laughs> the pitch. That's right there. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. But you're right. It feels it... like there's there's such an opportunity. Like, and just in thinking about like adult animation, there's something about the United States that we just get hung up on this like Disney train. You know. I know, but it's, I'm hoping it's changing. Like now there's new studios, like Netflix is somebody who's new to the game and now they're getting animated stuff nominated at Oscars, which was very hard to do. Even just a couple of years ago, it was just Disney, Pixar, maybe DreamWorks would squeak in, but it's like, mm -hmm. it's just such, um, there's, I think people, there is, um, there is a want for it too. I do think audiences are getting a little fatigued of the certain stories that are being told mm -hmm. so we have to we have an opportunity to change it up a little bit so what are some things that inspire you what are you reading or watching or consuming that is inspiring you um oh a good question um gosh I know right now show running his like <laughs> takes up so much of my brain showrunner's <laughs> life is an oxymoron I'm like I don't know if I if I have much time to do a lot else I'm, of course like keeping up with like reservation dogs and um Rutherford Falls watched Prey but um other than that I try and keep up with animation releases because that always inspires me I'm always like excited to see how we're pushing the medium and exploring new technologies that's always really fun and then other than that I watch a lot of reality TV. <laughs> like what? Like what's, what's Are you a real oh, housewives God. person? I am not a real housewives person, unfortunately. Unfortunately. 
I watch all the dating ones. I love Survivor. I love RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, have you watched uh, Chef versus Wild yet? No, but I'm going to add it to the list. Oh, that's on Netflix. Yeah, our friend, uh, she's on it. And her name is Nico Albert. She's a local chef here in Tulsa. Cool. She's Cherokee. And she's on, I think, just one of the episodes. Or of of her episode yeah. dropped this week. So I got to watch yeah. it last night. So cool. it down. Yeah, the cooking shows are so fun. So relaxing. Yeah, it's cooking in the wild, I guess, where they cool. go and find the foods and then cook it and all this stuff. Well, and then there's the Prairie Band, uh, Potawatomi, who just won, what was it, a Gordon, Ram- Gordon Ramsay cook-off, Chef Payette. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. That's cool. She had a pop-up here in LA. I didn't get to go to. Oh, her stuff looks so good. Yeah. It's on, I think, also on Hulu. So look oh, at Hulu. Cool. Look at Hulu. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm writing that down. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chef vs. Wild is on Hulu, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chef vs. Wild channel. is. Um, Gordon Ramsay one is now. Yeah. Res Dogs. Maybe Native. they'll pick up Brotherford Falls. I don't know. No. Oh my gosh. So. Mm. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And they put Prey out. I mean, come on. Oh, he didn't have so content. That's right. We'll have our own channel pretty soon. (laughs) Oh, I would love that. Our own production people and production studio. And that'd be so amazing. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. We got a lot of talent. It'll take take a minute, but it'll happen. I mean, you know, like (laughs) I saw an interview with Tyler Perry recently. He pretty much bills Atlanta as like this hub for production. (laughs) And it's like, this dude just started out as like a guy on stage. Now he's like, blowing up into this whole big industry model you know i know i love those memes that are like mcu does not stand for marvel it stands for medea cinematic universe because right. <laughs> 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 he's created so much content it's a whole thing and it's yeah, own studio. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> incredible he's like he's outpaced like charlie chaplin it seems like it's amazing. I feel yeah. like we're kind of getting there with Taika in a way. Like he's mm-hmm. coming up and yeah. so much stuff out mm-hmm. there all mm-hmm. over franchises, mm-hmm. indies, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. <laughs> Any <laughs> advice that you would give your your younger self? Ooh. Um, I guess if I was going to give advice to my younger self, I would say be loud and proud native. It is you have a community here. You are not alone. Um, I can't wait to see what our future storytellers are going to create. And just want to thank you guys for the work that you're doing and highlighting and showing off all this native talent. I just like really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Love this community. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that. Ooh, yes, loud and proud, creative natives. Loud, yes. Ooh, creative natives. Creative natives, yep. You heard company. it here. Yep, that's the, that's the production. That's studio. it, there it is, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> CN Network, yep. CN, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, if you need anything, let me know. We will. Thank you so much, Krista, for joining us. And thanks to Kimberly for joining us, too. We cannot wait for Spirit Rangers to drop on Indigenous Peoples Day. And for everybody else, 
Kianakpak for tuning in to Real Indigenous. And remember, don't just keep it real, keep it real indigenous.